And I remember, you know, the few of us that were getting together in the, in the shop and, you know, going over objections and writing them down and stuff, the other guys would, like, talk crap about us. Like, oh, they're obsessed. I mean, I, I, I still get that sometimes. I'm like, hey, I'm like, hey, be obsessed or be average, you know? Like, you want to be great or you want to just be normal, you know? The best advice I can say is stay consistent with the way that you do things and um, you're going to have bad days. So um, if you can overcome that and move on and, and tomorrow's a new day. So, Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate. I'm Brian. And it's so good to be with you again on this Monday morning. We have an exciting special guest with us today, Brent Buckley. You'll be hearing from him in a little bit. And our focus this time is around the subject of finding the next rung of the ladder while you're standing on top of it. Uh, so we're really excited to talk to Brent, uh, also known as the $7 million man. Uh, so we'll be uh, kind of tuning into some of his experience as well as innovation into how he keeps making bigger and larger goals each year. Before we jump into the topic, we're going to start off with a quote, Brian. This is a long one, so bear with me. The tragedy of life is not found in failure, but complacency. Not in you doing too much, but doing too little. Not in you living above your means, but below your capacity. It's not failure, but aiming too low. That is life's greatest tragedy. Benjamin Mays. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, and you know the old the old statement about set your goals low so they're easy to hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, that's not what we're about here, and that's not what we want anybody listening to be about either. We always want to be pushing for the next thing, and that's why we were excited to have Brent on because he is a uh, heating and air conditioning technician who just continues to make the unthinkable thinkable, to prove the unprovable is possible. Uh, and even after just uh, thinking about some of those concepts, you know, it's it's really exciting to challenge yourself and say, what am I holding myself back from because I say I can't or somebody else said I can't. And that that uh, that can be sometimes a, a level of ignorance. It can be sometimes a level of laziness or complacency. Or maybe it's just, you know, you haven't been challenged enough to show yourself the way or, or somebody else to show you the way. So we wanted to jump into that topic here and kind of talk a little bit about it before we get Brent on. I would say the number one um, issue for most technicians that I've encountered over the years, both in a truck and in management position, um, if I just group up everybody who never really did much more than their first month in a truck in terms of revenue or sales or whatever whatever the measuring stick is, um, it was laziness. It was simply that it's easier not to. Um, I don't mean that to be everybody, but 
the large majority of guys who never really accomplish anything just never really try that hard. It's just, it's easier not to. So that's what, that's the road I'm going to take. And the guys who are super successful, um, like Brent Buckley are more of like, you know, guys at the gym, be it athletes, I should say, be it, you know, weightlifting where it doesn't mean much to me if I'm not adding weight to the bar. Not, I don't mean every time I work out, but if I'm not bench pressing a little bit more today than I did six months ago, I feel stagnant and it's not, not doing enough for me. Yeah. Or, if, if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. And actually, uh, Ken Goodrich, who, who introduced me and Brent Buckley at the company we both work for, um, had a quote that I still repeat to this day. He always said, you're you're green and growing or you're brown and dying. There is no such thing as uh, standing still. And, yeah, be it, you know, a a runner, you're trying to get a little bit more mileage than you did last time or or finish a mile in a little bit faster time than you did last time because I know you run, Nate. Um, Whatever it is, you should always be moving the finish line out slightly. And that's something that's great about Brent because it's it's easy for guys like in my position – um, you know, we have, we have to do double digit growth every year. We want to be part of, uh, president's club. We have to do double digit growth, double digit net profit and, and have really good customer reviews, really good customer reviews. Um, and the growth part means that I have to move that finish line out at least 10% every year. And so it's a little bit easier in this position but when you're in a t- when you're in a technician role, you only have yourself realistically. I mean, of course, your your managers and your team leaders want you to do more and do better, but they're not exactly holding your career over your head, saying "do it or else." Nor should they, because that's not a way to motivate people. But it it really rely you really have to rely on yourself to to make that extra push, and even tougher if you're a really high performing technician, especially um, the biggest killer that I've seen on teams is when you're the hot shot, the big shot at, at your location, it's really hard to think that there's a next step and a next level. And I'll give Jamie Mellinger credit, our uh, top sparky electrician here. When he heard a podcast that Brent Buckley was on, he he said it just expanded his horizons to realize that there's more that even he could be doing, which seemed like he was doing everything he could. Um, he was number one volt vault um, technician in all of the Mr. Sparky franchises in 2020. So it can be really hard when you're the tech on top at your own, at your own location to find another rung on that ladder and take another step up. Um, even tougher than just somebody who's not had any success yet. Once you taste some success, it's it's usually easy to chase it. But, man, when you're on top of the mountain, it can be hard to think that you can go up from here. And Brent personifies that. Um, you know, I'm not sure. I guess we'll have to ask him, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember when he first hit a, a million in a year back in, I don't know what it was, 04, 05, something like that. And he's he's a HVAC technician 
and he runs almost all maintenance calls, or at least he did then. He 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 wanted nothing to do with um, any call that wasn't a maintenance call. That's that was his bread and butter. I was the same way. We just loved the maintenance call. So he's not a comfort advisor. He's not a, a you know a, a straight commission sales guy, but he goes out to homes with older equipment. I'm sure they make sure that he has homes with older equipment on his schedule if possible. I mean, that's what I would do as a manager for sure. Um, and he's, he's made his bread and butter with that, but then to hit, you know, what, whatever he did last year, whatever it was, maybe 6 million in, uh, 2019, 6.5 or whatever it was. And then to say that I'm still going to do more next year as a tech, that's, that, that's really different than, to be running a division and say that we're going to do more than we did last year. So I think it'll be great to talk about that with him and, and see what, what motivates him. That's what, that's, what's intriguing to me about this episode. It's just to hear how somebody, I I can't imagine there are two HVAC service techs in the country doing $7 million in revenue. I just, I I find it hard to believe he's, he's got to have the record. Um, but I know Brent and I know that he's probably pushing to do more this year and not just hoping he's, I'm sure he's actively planning on it. Yeah, Brian, the concept of, uh, of constantly pushing for better, uh, like you said with that quote, you're either always, you're, you're green and growing or you're brown and dying. Like what we do in life, what we do in the home services industry is like running on a treadmill. You can't just stop running on a treadmill. If you do, you go backwards. And so it, it is especially tough for people at the top of the ladder who don't have the next run, the next rung already defined or established for them to be able to innovate and and basically create the next rung of the ladder by themselves. And I'll give you an example of that. If any of you are familiar with Roger Bannister, uh, he was a a runner and the first human being to ever run a four minute mile. And nobody had ever done a four-minute mile before. In fact, people weren't even sure that it was, it was possible to be done. And yet, in 1954, Bannister broke the four-minute barrier. And the amazing thing about that is, once it was done, once it was done, only a few races later, it was done again. And then it was done again. And then it was done again. When Bannister broke through that barrier and and showed the world that something was possible, all of a sudden other people started achieving that same feat, which had never been done before. And that's the incredible thing about, about driven people who are constantly pursuing something better, something greater. They have the mindset that something that people say is impossible can be done, and they, they pursue it. And I mean, that, that's the heart of waste no day, right? To wake up every single morning and look at this day and say, this isn't going to be a coaster. I'm not, I'm not just going to you know, go through the motions today. I'm going to actually be pursuing something. And, and the heart of that, Brian, is, is really having that goal actually established for you. you know, I guarantee you that Bannister didn't wake up that day and just say like, hey, I'm just going to run as fast as I can and I get what I get. You know, I, I guarantee you he woke up saying, I'm, I'm going under four minutes today. 
And I guarantee you that he was training to be under four minutes all along his journey. Yeah, and he probably woke up and said that many, many, many days and fell short many, many, many times. But he's only remembered for the time he did it. That's the great part. So, you know, you might have a revenue goal or a, a uh, review goal or uh, a uh, maintenance agreement goal for the day or the week or the month, and you might fall short. But don't dis don't don't get dis- discouraged or do get a little discouraged and um, adjust your plan. But certainly don't stop trying because you didn't make it happen. And here's the deal. I mean, listen, we're going to be talking to Brent Buckley, possibly the highest producing revenue HVAC tech in the entire country, if not even beyond that. Don't know. But probably, probably. I can't imagine anybody's doing more than that. And while that's incredible, we also want to understand and observe the fact that everybody has different parameters, different capabilities. And so this podcast isn't designed to say, hey, man, you too can be the $7 million man. Although, you know, maybe you can. I'll just put it this way in case you're one of those guys who takes things personally. You absolutely can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) You won't, as we say around here. You won't. But what you want to do is you want to establish the next goal, the next progress, the next step forward for you right now. And you know what? If that's you being the million dollar man, great. If that's you being the half million dollar man, great. If that's you being the hundred thousand dollar man, great. Right. Set that goal and set it something above what you've ever done before and believe that you can get there. But then you actually have to put yourself in motion and the strategy to get there. You can't just wish it into existence or, or will it into submission. You have to do the behaviors. You have to do the studying. You have to do, you have to put in that work as they say, otherwise you're just, you're living the lie. You're believing a pipe dream and nobody is going to make it happen for you. And you're not putting in the work to make it happen either. So guess what's going to happen? Not it. So yeah, you might get be out a, there. You might be a plumber. You might be an electrician. You might be um, an HVA service tech who, who doesn't have the opportunity to sell equipment, which most HVA service techs do not. Um, you don't have to be worried about beating Brent Buckley. I, I don't have to worry about beating Brent Buckley. I have to worry about beating 2020 Brian. That's right. That's all I have to worry about. Um, but if you are a service tech who sells equipment, you, if I was, I should say that guy would be on my mind at 7 million. I would be thinking there's no way he can figure it out. And I can't, you know, the Nintendo Wii. you ever, you ever play the Wii? Yeah. Like, you know how they, they had some of those exercise programs where it would actually like track yourself and then your avatar would be like running that pace. And basically yeah. you'd be like running against yourself. That's exactly what that is. Oh, wow. You, you can see like your, a shadow or something. Yeah, you can you can see a person who represents you and you're you're trying to better that person, which is in fact you. And that's what we're talking about here. That's that's what you're saying. It's not about beating Brent Buckley or or anybody. It's about beating yourself or Jonathan Jordan, number one, uh, uh, one hour service truck revenue last year. Uh, shout out to JJ. Yeah. JJ all of one hour. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's a really good stuff. And that's why we wanted to have Brent on here today. And we wanted to talk about, uh, what it looks like for each one of us to be pursuing something and to expand your mind to, to not put a cap on what you think is possible because what Brian was talking about earlier is that this world 
the world that we live in is constantly moving into a place of 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 broken downness of um d- depression discouragement just uh decomposition all of these things it, it's moving away from up and moving towards down always from order to chaos that's right so take a golf a golf course for example right beautiful uh, lawns laid out, mowed, everything is pristine, nice, and, and beautiful. If you know, if you like the uh, the masters, take a look at Augusta there, and you say, how long would it take for that place to get better if just left on its own? It wouldn't happen. Yeah, it might be the next day. <laughs> Maybe after that, it's going to go downhill pretty fast. Right. Look, look at my backyard for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Get a little bit of rain here, and I got to cut my grass twice a week. Right. So, you know, yeah, you might get a little bit of time there. But, in, in fact, you're not looking at improvement. You're looking at just a, a static image of something that's been really well kept. And then moments later, the weeds start growing up. The trees start sprouting in. The hedges start getting overgrown. The grass starts getting too long. The erosion starts occurring. And give it a year six months even, and that golf course will look like a meadow that never had played golf before. And that is an exact example of what can happen with our life. If you just let it go and you just live under the, the false principle that this is enough, that uh, what I'm doing now is going to be good enough 5, 10, 15 years from now you're going to be looking at a golf course that's overrun. Yeah, or in my opinion even worse because at least if it if you crash and burn, you're going to you're going to reach out for help, you're going to find a way to get better. What's infinitely worse in my opinion is you're going to look back 2 years and realize you're in the exact same place. Now that might be the exact same income or whatever, but having grown zero over any period of time should be unacceptable as that's what i'm saying that, that that's not even the case if you just do the exact same thing you did last year you're counting on everybody else also being complacent which doesn't happen other people are motivated and they're moving forward so if you just do the exact same thing you did last year your your time your skill all that is actually less valuable than it was the year before it's the same concept as money if i have a hundred dollars and i put it in the bank how much is it worth next year not not a hundred dollars anymore, or at least not what a hundred dollars. It, it's not how much the hundred dollars is; is how much value the hundred dollars buys, right? How much was a gallon of milk last year versus this year? A gallon right. of gas. So if I have a hundred dollars and I buy, you know, ten gallons of gas or twenty gallons of gas, great. That that's this year, and then next year I can only afford nineteen gallons of gas, and then eighteen gallons of gas, and sure enough, my hundred dollars is quickly diminished into a fraction of what it used to be. And that's the same thing with our with our days, really, right? We've all been granted 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and however many years, you know, God has for us. And the more that we choose to wake up every single morning and say, yeah, well, I'll get it the next day, the more we get into that complacent attitude of just being okay with mediocrity, and that will kill you. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe anybody is really okay with mediocrity, and and we don't have to be just talking about your income here. 
We could be talking about your Google reviews or um, we could be talking about your technical skill. Um, even if you're a comfort advisor, talking about how much and how well you understand the equipment that you're selling. Uh, complacency should be, should be unacceptable in every aspect of our lives because we are getting older and getting worse. That's, that's a fact. It's a law of nature. So we got to work a little bit harder every day. We got to learn something every day. It was Warren Buffett's big quote was, uh, go to sleep. The secret to success is to go to sleep a little bit smarter every night. I said, 50, when do you sleep? 50 says sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Sleep is for those people who are broke. I don't sleep. Uh, It's a video we watch around here, but it's good. Yeah, well, no, no, um, no better person to to uh, discuss this topic, this subject, than a guy who's doing it so well. And I'm very interested to hear how we worked together probably from 2004 to 2009, something like that, uh, maybe with a, a a little year and a half, two year break when I went and sold timeshares. Um, but I'm interested in knowing how he got from where he was when I left Las Vegas to, to where he is now in that transition, because it's just phenomenal. I mean, he was, he was a monster then, but to do 7 million, uh, in equipment sales in a year out of a service truck running maintenance calls, I, it's just, it's hardly fathomable. We got to make him role play. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So without further ado, let's bring our guest in. Hey, our guest today, we're talking with Brent Buckley. Uh, He is an HVAC selling technician in Las Vegas, Nevada. Been in the industry for about 19 years and actually has some former history with my co-host Brian here. Uh, They worked together back in the day. Way back in the day, right, Brian? You would say way back in the day. Yeah, this would (laughs) go back to 2004. Um, Yeah, we worked together in Las Vegas, which for me... Um, well, hey, welcome to the show, Brent. Yeah, welcome, Brent. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to talk to you. Um, we, I, I actually just noticed a podcast with Brent on it, and we probably hadn't talked in. I mean, we we would say like Merry Christmas on Facebook and stuff, but we probably hadn't had a conversation in like ten years or something, right? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and I listened to a podcast uh, that you were on, and and was blown away by what you're what you're doing and what you've accomplished, which isn't a huge shocker. You were always moving forward and and moving up and getting better. Um, But the numbers that you're doing are pretty astonishing. I always remembered you, you ran predominantly maintenance calls, right? Yeah, I do probably about 80, 20. So 80% maintenance, 20% demand calls. So when it heats up, there's no time to do anything but demand calls. Yeah, I mean, um, it seems over the years the demand calls have kind of gotten less and less. Uh, I don't know. I think there's more competitors in the market, but um, yeah, it's it's uh, in the summer months, June, July, August, it gets over 105 here, you know, in the summer months. So really, um, there's a lot of demand calls during that time. But the other nine months out of the year, I would say 80% of the calls I run are maintenance. I mean, it's been a kind of a slower start for us. I don't know. 
I don't know how everyone else is doing in the industry as far as HVAC go, but we've had like kind of a cool uh, spring. Oh, so it's really? only been, yeah, we haven't had real, any real hot weather yet. So, yeah, I haven't even gotten to take my boat out. It's been not warm enough. Jeez. So. Holy crap. <laughs> what is it? Yeah. Well, uh, like on Friday, it was 65 was the high. What? Um, today is today is like eighty five, I think. Dude, it was like ninety that. here so, on Friday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're in the you're we in the wrong some... spot, bro. You need to move down to Lancaster. <laughs> so, hey, we, we got a spot for you, buddy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lance, yeah. Uh... can hang out. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. But uh, you know, I, I mean, it's been a slow start for sure. We haven't gotten the weather that we expected or had last year. So yeah, we're. Um, I don't care what anybody says. I mean, we, you know, this industry is highly dependent on weather, you know, so. Sure is. To a certain degree. <laughs> and I should say that I, I passed that podcast around a little bit here at the office. <laughs> and, man, so many guys came to me. Um, Brennan, Mike, Aaron, uh, James, Dave, Tyler, there's, I don't know, there's probably 10 guys that came to me on the side and said, well, that guy's amazing. Really, really inspiring to me. Um, wow. Which, uh, which podcast did you guys listen to? I think you it remember? Was, was it the Rhino? To the Point. To the Point, HVAC podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, good. It was a good episode and it was, it was good to hear your voice and just know that you're doing really well. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There you have a great show. Um, so it was easy to go on there and, you know, kind of give them what I do and how I do it and why. So, yeah. So let's, let's talk about what, what you do and how you do it a little bit. And then I, I thought maybe we could talk about where you and I started, which was, uh, in, in a way, uh, as you put it, our humble beginnings together, um, in that training room working for Ken Goodrich. So what do you yeah. do? What, what, did, what did you do last year that well, was a pretty big uh, milestone? So last year I accomplished $7 million, which was a goal of mine that I set, you know, at the beginning of the year. I thought it, you know, at first I thought it was going to be impossible. Um, I had never done anything near that. I think the year prior I did like, you know, maybe, six, I think it was 5.9 or something million. So to do another million um, – Kind of seemed almost impossible, you know. You're just constantly breaking your own all-time, I mean, your own records at this point, right? Yeah. You've never. Yeah, heard, it's been. You never heard of another guy that? doing that kind of revenue out of a service truck, have you? No, not out of a service truck. I've I've heard of um, some comfort advisors doing, you know, where they're, you know, they're just consistently doing, you know, tech flips all day long. Mm-hmm. You know, tech flips or um, or sales appointments. I've I've heard of. There's a guy in California that did seven million, but not out of like a service truck. Like what I'm doing, like I'm you know going to each service call. He's you know those guys have got like you know five to seven technicians that are flipping to them. You know, and really doing a lot of the work. You know, up front oh, before yeah. he even gets out there. So, yeah. Nope, I don't think there's anybody doing anything like what I'm doing. Um, you know, if I was in that kind of position, I might be able to do like, you know, 10, 12 million, you know? 
Yeah. So, um, so I set the goal and, um, one thing that helped me get there last year was duck work. We, we, uh, never had sold duck work really in the past or pushed it only kind of here and there. And I got, uh, Jake, our general manager to, to invest in a duck work crew and truck. So we could literally pull up. This is my vision. I really like, you know, the guys can pull up in a big box truck and have every duck they need to do a duck replacement. Um, every supply they need. Um, so that was kind of my vision. I told Jake, I said, Hey man, you know, if we want to grow any, like I can't sell any more air conditioning units, you know? So, I mean, there's only so much <laughs> time, no time in a day. day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was like, if you guys want to grow revenue, let's do this. And I, I thought this up because it started off with me selling a little bit more duck work here and there. And I'm like, man, why are we putting these high efficiency air conditioning systems on duck systems that are 20, 30, 40, 50 years old and they're just falling apart. They're all, you know, in Vegas, everything's flex ducts, so it's all plastic. And um, it just didn't make sense to me, you know? I was like, you know, I'm kind of tired of doing that, not really giving the customer what they're paying for, you know? So um, my vision was to be able to, to pull up with a duck truck and do a duck replacement in one day with, a, you know, a crew and actually find a crew that wanted to do it because that was the other problem is, None of the installers really want to do duck work, and I don't blame them. I don't <laughs> so, either, especially in um, Yeah. And um, so that was really hard, you know, getting them the morale of it, you know, getting them to want to do ducking. And, and uh, so we ended up finding a, a couple guys that we hired on solely for duck replacements. And um, so we've had, we had some hiccups in the beginning, but we really – almost created like a department um, for duck work. And so last year, I think we did a few million dollars in ducting. And that's really kind of, you know, my way that I was able to increase my sales and, and um, get to that $7 million mark. Um, that, so that, Just that point right there that you, that, that you came up with that, it was kind of your vision. Um, I mean, you didn't invent replacing duct work, but you, you had the foresight to think that you needed to one enhance the experience of the customer. Um, you know, you, it bothered you to sell them a new car and put their old tires on it. And you figured out a way by which you could, um, not only increase your ticket average, which is huge for you, huge for the company, huge mm-hmm. for, um, hiring and employing more people and having more work for people. I'm assuming, especially in the shoulder months, which, uh, everybody thinks because you're in Las Vegas, you have, you know, hundred degree weather all year round. But as I tell people here, you have summer and spring. That's the, the only two <laughs> seasons you have and a lot more spring than summer. And the shoulder months in Las Vegas are, are brutal. There's people are not calling in. They don't, they don't need heat and they ha- they don't need air conditioning. So it's, uh, no, I mean, it's 50, 60 degrees here nine months out of the year. You know, I mean, yep. we do get some, uh, uh you know, occasional cold spells and stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're mainly maintenance driven and, um, duck work was something that, you know, not only me, but the whole team could look at while we're out there on equipment that we may have already installed, you know, a few years in the past or, you know, just, um, 
checking static pressure and, and seeing if systems are working properly. So it was, uh, it was, it was really key to bumping up our revenue last year. Um, a lot of people had a great year, you know, we had a great year just like everyone else, you know, 2020, um, more homeowners were home, more they're using their stuff more, you know, not everyone so, else. A lot of, a lot of companies shut down in March around here. Yeah. They just said, forget it and close doors, huh? They, well, they, they, uh, said, we just want to wait and see what's going to happen and stop serving their, their clients, which was just appalling. Wow. But yeah, that's, for, that's crazy. For those who didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, mainly I, I, I'm a selling tech. Uh, I run, you know, like we talked about earlier, about 80% maintenance, 20% demand. June, July, August, you know, it's a lot more demand than maintenance. Um, but the other nine, nine months out of the year, I'm, you know, doing maintenance calls. So, um, and I create my own uh, sales calls out of those calls. So, um, create the urgency and demand and, uh, and then sell the jobs myself. So, that's, you know, tech, technically what a selling tech is. <laughs> I've thought about doing the comfort advisor role a, a number of times. Um, but then you're dependent upon, you know, another, somebody else and developing, you know, that call for you. And I like the whole process from beginning to the end, you know? So I like to have control of that whole process and how it happens. And, you know, so I've, I've stayed in the, the selling tech world because of that. Sure. I remember, um, I don't even know if you remember, but them, our managers back in, I don't know, 2006, something like that, trying to get you to become a comfort advisor and you turning it down flat. Mm-hmm. said, I don't want to run leads. I just want to run maintenance calls. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the comfort advisors too are doing like tech flips. You know, I know there's a lot of companies that run tech flips, you know, and that's great, you know, but I, I like... I think the guys leave a lot of opportunity on the table, even the good ones, you know? So, you know, I, and I am dependent, I've ran some tech lists and I'm, you know, I'm really discouraged from doing it because the, my style and their style is totally different. And so I don't have, um, the, the rapport and stuff with the customer as well when I'm doing a tech flip. So it's just different. Like they've already, they're already halfway through the job. You know what I mean? And, um, I'm kind of like, they're passing the baton off to me and, um, it's just not the same, you know? Sure. So, yeah. So I like to do that, but you know, there's going to be a point here, you know, probably sooner than later than I'm going to have to, you know, do uh, more of a comfort advisor role because of, you know, I mean, I've been doing this 19 years, my knees killing me, you know, my back. And so, it's not getting yeah, any cooler in those yeah. attics, huh? No. <laughs> so, yeah, physically I'm going to have to probably, you know, look at, uh, you know, doing something else in, within the, the business. So, Well, I know whatever it is, you're going to break records, that's for sure. <laughs> so how do you yeah, – so if you're going to mainly a maintenance call, how are you mm-hmm. – and, and the one thing we in the field all know about maintenance calls is the customer assumes – the homeowner is, is assuming that their system is perfect and right. you're going to be in and out and that's that. So how are you building value on 
replacing a system that is currently working one, or maybe that's not working and they don't know it yet because it's 68 degrees outside and they're not using it. Yeah. So, you know, the first part of the call is, you know, getting to know the customer and, you know, really kind of feeling them out as far as like, you know, their personality, their buying habits, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but, um, you know, I take, I, it's very simple. Like I, there's nothing, there's not rocket, it's not rocket science, you know? Um, when I go into a call, I take, you know, basic repairs, um, you know, being fan motor over amping or capacitor low or, um, coils dirty. And, um, you know, I start there with a the repair. I, I mean, you know, cause I want to give the customer options on repair versus replacement or maybe they don't need anything, you know? So, you know, I always talk to them about repair and, you know, if the system is over 10 years old, then we're going to have a conversation about replacing the unit. And, um, basically, you know, how that goes is I just say, Hey, look, you know, we have, you know, a thousand dollars worth of pairs to keep this thing maintained. Um, and honestly, it's just kind of kicking the can down the road for a year, you know, and, or two. And I think in the end, you're probably going to end up replacing this unit anyways. So, you know, I, I think you should look at, you know, at replacing this unit and at least, you know, putting the money towards, you know, the repairs towards a new unit. And typically, I mean, I would say a lot of people will, you know, listen to that and, and want to sit down at the table, you know, and at least explore their options. So where are you, where are you going with the, Obviously, the common objection you're probably getting with that exact scenario is going to be, well, I'd, I'd much rather spend that money in a year or two than now. Well, I, I said, well, you know, I, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, I can't afford it right now or this and that. And the other it's like, you know, you can't afford not to. I mean, you can't afford it now. I mean, do you think you're going to be able to afford the repair today, which is $1,500, and the new unit that's ten grand? So you're talking about spending 11500 in the next two years when you could get this thing done for, you know, we can give you a deal today and get it done for 9500 you know? Sure. So, so you know, that's, my, that's, my whole point is... That, that was that? a great point right there itself to say you, you added that repair with the total cost of the new unit that they would do a year or two later. Yeah, that, that, I mean, you, you, you can't afford not to do this. I mean... Listen, you're gonna have, you, you can see the units deteriorated. You know, I, I always, I always bring the customer outside and show them everything. You know, like I want to be transparent with them. I want to show them that the capacitor is low. I want to show them that their motor's over amping. Um, I want to take pictures of their ductwork and their attic and show them like the holes that are in it, you know. Um, so there is some actual like, you know, reason for them to be considering these things, you know. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way that I get them interested in, in, in a replacement unit, you know, um, it's pretty simple and it's just, you know, being kind and nice and, and you got to understand too, everyone's situation is different. So I'm really, you know, considerate in that factor. And I talk to people, you know, I mean, I hear all kinds, you know, everyone's got a story, you know, um. So that's the hardest part. <laughs> sure. I'm curious as far as like what got you to this place. I mean, you said you're 19 years in the, in the field and 
you know, through that, I'm sure you weren't producing $7 million every year. So there was a beginning somewhere along the line, right? Yeah, actually, um, I started at a one-hour franchise in Colorado Springs, Colorado, JDV Hill, back in 2002. Cool. And um, he, uh, I, I started there as an installer, but he, you know, I was selling IEQ and stuff on install jobs that uh, the compromisers were selling. And he saw something in me, and he's like, hey, I really want to send you out to a training in St. Louis at the time it was airtime 500. Um, it was a, I did a sales training and then I went back and did uh, actual technical training cause he wanted me to you know, become a, a selling tech. So, um, I got the opportunity. He paid for it. I'm, you know, internally grateful for that. You know, he kind of set the, you know, set it in motion for my career as far as the selling tech goes. And I went and did those courses and it changed everything for me. You know, my mindset, the way that I, approach the call, the way I talk to customers, um, you know, a lot of different things. And so, um, I spent about a year and a half in Colorado Springs. Uh, I, I grew up in Vegas for the most part. I went to high school and everything here. And, um, my dad was in Colorado Springs working for JD as well. So that's kind of how I got started in business. But, um, and then I decided to move back and we started working for, um, uh, Ken Goodrich here in Las Vegas. Me and Brian. Uh, Brian was already. Were you already employed? I started in September of '04. Yeah, I can't remember if he was already there or I, I was. We got there at darn near the same time because I remember Lance, our man, you know what? kind of hyping the two yeah. of us up to to like work together. And I'm I'm a plumber. Brent's a a, a, a HVAC service tech. But he was really uh, focused on the two of us getting together and, and uh, making each other better. Yeah, so my dad, or JD, he knew Ken Goodrich. So when I wanted to move back to Vegas, and you know, because all my friends and family were here, and I was like 20 years old. So um, he hooked me up with Ken Goodrich, and I came back. And I, it was actually in December. So um, you must have already been there for a little, a few months, and then I started. But, yeah, um, so – Back to one hour franchise, I was doing a million dollars a year there my first year uh, with JDV Hill. So it came natural to me. And I mean, a million dollars back in 0203 was huge. Yeah. Um, I mean, you were, you were a top producer, you know, in the country if you, if you could do a million dollars back then. So <clears throat> the average tickets were on new units were like six grand. <laughs> so. But yeah, still so I, for uh, a lot of our competitors, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> so yeah, we ended up. Um, I ended up at Ken Goodrich's shop here in Las Vegas, and uh, me and Brian uh, connected. And I'll let you talk a little bit about um, what you remember, Brian. Yeah, well, I, what I remember is what I talk about with our techs here often, and I've mentioned on the podcast uh, before was like you, me, um, my brother-in-law Joey Feliciano. And a few other guys, John Deppy, yeah, uh, my brother at some point, Kevin Burton, um, and I, I hate that I'm going to leave a few guys out, but I don't know what there was, maybe six of us, something like that. That we would. It was a pretty small crew. I mean, the company Ken had just started it up like a year or two before, so it wasn't, you know, there were there huge. Were, I mean, there were plenty of techs that could have been in that room but only about six of us that were there every morning. And what we did was we walked into the training room 
and somebody came up with the toughest objection that they heard the day before. And then we would like, you know, jeopardy raise our hands to, to try to overcome the objection. And like everybody would take a turn to overcome the objection. And the one that sounded the best, we would like write up on the board or maybe we all wrote it down or something. I don't, the details are a little foggy, but it was, um, it became the thing to, to jot down the toughest objection that we heard and bring it into the group the next morning. And, you know, if, if it was not your objection used, we're just, we're competitive. I mean, the group of guys that we had were, were ultra competitive. We wanted to be the one to, to have the perfect rebuttal for that. And even, I mean, years later and even now in training, when somebody comes to me with an objection that they got that kept them from getting that tankless water heater or what have you, it is fast yeah. that I come up with the <laughs> with the answer to that objection. And I have to credit that to that time that we did that. I can't imagine what my career would be like if not for that time that we Yeah, me that. me either. The experience there was, you know, by far, you know, the best experience of my life. And it really kind of when it comes to sales and stuff and it really you know, put the path for me, you know, and I'm sure it did for you. And, um, we were both young. How old were you? 24. I was 20 years old. 24. I think. So yeah. Yeah. We, uh, didn't, we didn't get it right away. I mean, we weren't, we weren't necessarily mm-hmm. monsters as a result, but everything I did after that. So, so what were most 20 and 24 year olds doing even now, um, at, for a half an hour before the meeting started every morning? Cause that's when it was, we went sleeping either sleeping, just rolling out of bed because they have a 25 minute drive to work or they're, they're out at the dumpster complaining about the company. Yeah. And I remember, and I remember, you know, the few of us that were getting together in the, in the shop and, you know, going over objections and writing them down and stuff. The other guys would like talk crap about us. Like, Oh, they're obsessed, you know, or, (laughs) you know, they, (laughs) they, uh, learning how to rip off old ladies. (laughs) They don't, they don't have a life, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I still get that sometimes I'm like, Hey, I'm like, Hey, be obsessed or be average, you know, like you want to be great or you want to just be normal, you know? Wow. The, so, the quote for this episode is going to be from the guest for the first time. <laughs> be obsessed or be average Brent Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yep. it's true. And, and neither of us, um, we actually hung out together at, you know, our, uh, our wives hung out together at the time. Um, from time to time outside of work, we, we, we lived our lives. We had a good time. We, you know, we were family men. Um, but man, when we were, as soon as I got the boots on in the morning, those work boots and that uniform on, it was just go time. I was motivated to go to work. I mean, we had a, uh, you know, the other thing too is Ken had a great way of like bringing the team together with like those dinners and, and, um, you know, just celebrating our wins and all that stuff. And he did really good with that. Um, and Lance and it made it more motivating to come in and want to come into work too. Definitely. One, so. one by putting like-minded people together. I mean, I remember Lance being pretty um, adamant about you and me spending time together, despite the fact that we weren't in the same division. Um, right. And that was something he was really good at. And we try to do here now, but one thing he didn't put together was the group of technicians who showed up a half an hour before the meeting to hold each other accountable and, and get better. We did that ourselves. Right. 
And one thing, if anybody takes anything from this episode, it is that no, no, no supervisor is going to do that kind of thing for you. You, you have to put it together with people that you want to, you know, hang out with and, and hear from in the morning and spend your own time. And this was before the meeting and before we ever hit a call. This is how we were gearing ourselves up, up for this thing. And it uh, yeah. had a lasting effect. Brent, yeah, I mean. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was saying, like, um, you know, the time that we put in and we invested, you know, in ourselves, you know, like we got up early and, you know, and, you know, and the other guys were wondering, you know, how these guys were pulling away from the pack, you know. And it was because we put the time in and we did the things that they, no one else wanted to do, you know. And that was getting up early and showing up early and having our notebooks, you know. those black and white kids, uh, kindergarten notebooks that we carried around to put, a, put the bottles in. And <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Brent, I'm curious what it was about that, uh, that first training seminar that you went to that you said, you know, really changed the trajectory of your career. What was like the big takeaway from that training that, you know, gave you that different perspective? Well, you know, when I first started in the industry, you know, as a tech or an installer, I, you know, my mindset was go to the problem and fix it for the customer, you know, and do it as cheaply as you can, you know. Um, but I realized after I did the courses and classes where, you know, people are more interested in other things besides just fixing, you know, their immediate problems. They don't want problems next month. They don't want problems next year. You know, so, you know, being able to look at the whole situation, not with tunnel vision and, you know, and like if you're there for a leaky water heater, not checking like, you know, I don't know much about plumbing, but, you know, not checking the water pressure on the house or the water pressure valve or whatever um, to see if that, you know, contributed to the failure of the, the water heater or whatever. Um, or making sure the circulating pump is still working, you know, if you're going to put a new water heater in or, you know, all these things. So, you know, I, not only did the course give me like, you know, like the sales, um, teachings that I needed to move forward, but more of, you know, looking at the whole situation that, you know, when you're there, just because the capacitor is bad. Well, is the capacitor bad because the fan motor's you know weak or compressor's weak, and um, and you know kind of being able to you know prevent things down the road and offer options to the customer, which I hadn't been doing before, you know. So, um, and you know, I can't tell you how many units I fixed that were over ten years old, you know, that the people later on, you know, I I noticed this because I started offering replacement units or going over at least options on replacements, the people are really interested in replacing their units. You know, even if they only have like a $300 repair, you know, their, their units are 10 years old and, um, you know, they, they see the value in upgrading it. And so those are, you know, just a few things that really changed my mindset on how I approach the call. And what really got me to the next level was really learning how to, uh, work with customers, you know, um, you know, when people used to tell me, no, you know, I, I kind of took it a little personal, you know, and, um, and so I really learned more psychology of customers and how they buy and, you know, 
um, and just be a little bit more, uh, you know, nice and kind and, you know, those, those kind of things. So, but that's really what took me to the next level is my attitude. <laughs> that is, that is uh, a, a good point that you made about in, in the beginning and we all do it or, you know, anybody who's not a sociopath is you get that no and you take it personally and it, mm -hmm. um, it, it's somewhat devastating the rejection every time it happens to some extent. And it, I think it takes, um, people who have the potential to become great. And I do believe it breaks some people before they ever get there because they never learn to separate <clears throat> themselves from what they're offering. Whereas this, this homeowner still really likes you as a technician. However, they're not, they're not doing that. What you, what you recommended today. And it's not, it's not personal and it's easy to even say it right now, <clears throat> but when you first um, start dealing with it, man, it's a, it's a mountain to get over, to get to the point where that little rejection yeah. doesn't bother you some at people, a, an intrinsic level. Some people just cannot get over it. Like, I mean, it ruins their day, you know? And <clears throat> so, and you can only have your day ruined so many times before you stop going for it. If, yeah, if, if I had any advice for anybody, I would say, don't give up, you know, don't give up. Like you're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad months. Don't give up, keep doing and stay consistent to the game. You know, like you have a plan, right? So you've been working hard. You do this, people say no, and they get discouraged and, and, you know, they start getting off track, you know? And, um, the best advice I can say is stay consistent with the way that you do things and, um, you know, you're going to have bad days. So um, if you can overcome that and move on and, and tomorrow's a new day. So, you know, that's, that's the best thing I, the best advice I can give because it's an emotional roller coaster, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, one day, you know, some guys can sell 10, 15,000 next day, nothing, you know? So. And it is um, going to happen and it's going to happen again and again. Yep. So let me go. So, yeah. It's, so where, where you're at and, and what we want to talk about in this podcast mostly is it's, it's still mind blowing to me that, I mean, so few people are able to do it and not just technicians, but managers, sales managers, company owners, um, you, you were probably sitting at for a service tech. You probably had the all time record in 2019 at 5.9 million, but you didn't say, I want to do 6 million. <laughs> <laughs> you said, I, I want to do 7 million. And then you thought you might not get there. So you started revamping, you know, what, what you were going to sell as a service tech, not a manager or a comfort advisor or the owner of the company. So what right. in the world makes you Brent standing on top of the ladder, look up and say, there's gotta be another rung somewhere. I know it. I, I mean, we all want to make more money and I understand that, but I know that's not it. Yeah, I mean, I'm just such a driven person and competitive person. Like, I want to win. Like, I'm not satisfied with just breaking last year's record. You know what I mean? Um, I want growth. So, you know, it, it is getting to the point where my expectations are a little unreasonable. <laughs> so, <Is it? laughs> you keep finding a way, buddy. 
So, you know, I'm, I'm getting irritated with myself. Like, like right now, the last couple months here, just the weather has been, I mean, we haven't had hardly any demand at all. And, um, and you know, you kind of get discouraged and it's not going to happen and this, that, and the other. It's just like, oh, Brent, it's out of your control. Like, I mean, you're doing, you know, you're doing everything you can. So, um, yeah, so sometimes my expectations are kind of way out there and they always have been. And, um, you know, the company has really catered to me a lot, you know, um, not, you know, I'm, you know, I'm their pop, top performing guy and, um, they, they want me to do well. And so when I have ideas or I want to do something different, you know, they're usually open ear, you know? So, but I would say more than anything, I'm driven to, you know, internally to do better and break records. And to me, it's not even about the money anymore. It's like, you know, it hasn't been for a long time. It's more of, you know, breaking records and being able to say it's it's possible, you know? So, I mean, I get so many people like, they just don't see how it's even possible. There's not enough time in the day, you know, the calls aren't good enough, you know, they're all maintenance calls, nobody wants to buy, you know, it's like, I'm going through all that same stuff as other one, everyone else, you know? Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, I had a few guys ride with me this year from our company and they were absolutely floored. I mean, they're like, they thought I was running, you know, 20 year old no calls and customer wants options on new unit calls <laughs> all day. <laughs> and they're like, like you seen in 2021, like two. <laughs> I mean, haven't. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, they're like, dude, you're running eight year old units, 10 year old units. I mean, you're running everything that we're running, you know? For the most part, you know, <clears throat> when it's slower, you know, it's, it's pretty compared to what they are running. Um, and so, you know, the, he was shocked, you know, and then a few of the guys were really shocked at how low pressure it was. It was like, look, man, we're just here giving options. You know, obviously we want to, you know, we're going to stir them, um, you know, if it's over 10 years old towards a replacement, but you know, at the end of the day, we're going to give them options to repair or replace this unit. And, um, and so, you know, the guys have been, you know, really impressed and it's been a motivating thing for me. So now it's more of like doing these podcasts and, you know, uh, having ride alongs. I had, um, a comfort advisor, uh, South Carolina come out here and, and ride with me for like four days. Um, uh, and, you know, I, I love just giving back, you know, and like seeing what's possible. So, you know, I would say it's an internal drive that maybe not everybody has, but um, it's something that I really, you know, I've always had. You know, I've always wanted to do better. That's how I got to seven million. You know, I started out, you know, first couple of years under a million, and then a million, and then two million, then two point five, then three million, and then I was stuck, you know, for three or four years at three to four million, and then I hit. Um, like 4.8 and then 5.8 and then I did seven last year. So as you can see, you know, it's, it's just a little bit getting better a little bit each year, you know, um, just adding a little bit more, adding a little bit more, adding a little more. And, you know, it's not an overnight success, you know, um, it's not something that, you know, it, it's been, you know, a grind and it's been, um, just hold myself accountable when I don't want to do work, you know, and, um, showing up when I don't want to, you know, so it's, you know, it's been, 
it's been a long road, uh, but it didn't, you know, 19 years later, I'm at seven million a year. So, and that's just incredible, man. And there's no doubt about it that you are standing on top of the ladder. Uh, and I love the fact that you keep just pursuing another rung and just making rungs up really at this point. But I want to ask you the question, you know, five rungs ago or, or however many years ago that was for you, what would you tell that person who they're, they're kind of sitting in the middle of their career. Maybe they're stuck, you know, like you were uh, a couple years ago. Uh, and they're just saying like, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure that I can do better than this. They're kind of, doubting themselves or feeling that negativity coming on, what would you tell that person who's listening? Well, first off, I tell them it can be done. You know, it is possible. You can do it. You have, you know, you have all the tools in front of you to do it. And, um, you know, stay consistent and just sit down and write out your goals and figure out a way to get there. If, If you write it down and you have goals, and you figure out a plan to get it there, you will do it if you stay consistent, you know? Um, you know, I, I never thought, you know, it's possible to do 7 million. And, um, you know, if you asked me five years ago, if I would ever be able to do 7 million, I'd say it would be, you know, impossible to do that with one person. And, you know, um, so it took a lot of factors to get there, you know, and a lot of consistency and, um, and, you know, urgency to, to really move forward. But, but had, so you not I was not, that, uh, had you not written that number down somewhere or everywhere as I, I assume you did. Um, yeah, break it down. Yeah. Break it down to the month. You know, you can't, there's no way to, you know, move forward without, you know, really writing it down and knowing what you need to do, you know, what you got to change, change to get there, you know? Um, for me, I knew I couldn't sell any more boxes, you know? So I just knew I couldn't, I think I sold like, you know, 500 boxes or something in 2019. I was like, man, I, you know, I, I just, I can't, I can't sell any more boxes. So I need to increase my average ticket. That was my thing. You know, like, how can I go from, you know, a $12,000 average ticket to, you know, an $18,000 uh, average ticket. Well, I was going to have to do that by doing ductwork or IEQ or insulation or add-ons, you know? So uh, that's what I concentrated on, you know, I was making sure that, you know, I gave all the options and then just go for the unit, you know? So because before I would just go for the unit, I didn't even look at the ductwork. I didn't look at their insulation levels in the house. I didn't offer anything for those people, you know? So, so do you attribute your success more to self-improvement or to self-innovation? Both, probably both, you know, um, obviously you got to innovate to move forward, you know, a lot. Um, but also, you know, being motivated and to want more, you know, is huge. You have to be innovative to make yourself as you said earlier, when I don't want to, to constantly make yourself get up at that time in the morning and go as hard as you did yesterday. Or if you're trying to go from 5.9 to 7 million in a year, harder than you went yesterday. 
Um, even, yeah, I mean, even you, on the days you don't feel great, even on the days when you and the missus are at it on the phone, when you knock on that door, everything, you have to be pretty innovative to show up there like it's the first customer you're ever seeing. Yep, and you gotta you gotta put the biggest thing is you know what happened yesterday happened yesterday today is a new day you know um, if you can have that mindset then you're gonna do pretty good you know <clears throat> because not every day is gonna be a great day um, there's gonna be struggles you're not gonna have you know things going perfect and um, you know I've learned to you know let go and start fresh the next day you know that's awesome. Hey Brent, I know we're kind of wrapping up here and one of those, one of the innovations that I think you're doing on your end is a seminar. Is that right? Yeah, we're, um, you know, I, I had an opportunity. I have a, a friend, uh, his name's Victor and he's in California and he had started a uh, training business, uh, this last year and he had reached out to me and, um, He's like, hey, I think it'd be great to get you on board and me and you do a training together, you know? And I said, well, you know, I've never done a training before. You know, I have no experience in doing that. And um, so, you know, he's like, you know, he talked me into it. And I said, you know what? You got to get out of your comfort zone, right? To move forward in, in life and, and, and do things. And, and I, I'm all about, like, I've been let, letting people ride with me. Uh, I've had people from out of state come and ride with me. I've done podcasts and stuff. So I'm really, you know, trying to get, share my information out there, you know, as much as I can, you know? So I had the opportunity to to sit in front of, you know, two or 300 contractors, technicians. Um, so I said, yeah, let's do it, you know? So um, we're, we put together a great event here in Las Vegas. It's October 29th and 30th. And uh, we've we've added some great speakers, uh, including Grant Cardone. Ooh. Yes, Grant Cardone's going to be there, <laughs> and he's going to be there more more for you know motivational um, speaking. You know, trying uh, to get you know everyone motivated and stuff. But it's going to have it's going to be kind of a seminar with we're going to teach. It's going to be a little different than your normal sales you know training. We're going to actually um, you know I'm a technician in the field, and so is Victor. And we're going to teach people how to get to the table. So how to take a tune up and get to the table, you know, how to create the urgency and demand when there is none and, um, and be able to get to the table. And then we'll have the second day will be, you know, the sales process and, and, uh, and closing the deals. And then we'll have some motivational speakers there. Um, so I'm really excited to be a part of it. I never thought I'd have the opportunity to be a part of something so big. Um, so yeah, the um, you can go message me on Facebook or um, you can go to uh, servicehero.com and you can reserve uh, your deposit on a ticket or pay for your ticket or whatever. Servicehero. So, but we are gonna yeah, servicehero.com. Um, or you can call them or you can go reach out to me on Facebook and I can um, you know send a link to uh, Brent Buckley. And I, I've been approving everybody's friend request because I'm getting about 30 of them a day right now. So, um, <laughs> expect so, like yeah, 10 uh, more after this podcast drops. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, message me and I'll, um, and I'll, uh, also send you a, a discount coupon of $500. So, but yeah, it'll be a great, uh, experience October 29th and 30th. And I'm looking forward to it. And, Dude, when, um, you're a, when you're a huge I don't star, know. I need you to, I need you to come do an episode with Grant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude 
I mean, I'm like thinking, I'm going to share the stage with Grant Cardone. Right. I mean, what, what is going on here? I mean, and you didn't even tell me. What I saw, is going I saw on? It on Facebook? I'm like, yeah. oh, crap. This guy's a mega. Well, star. you know, I'm I'm pretty humble, and I, you know, want to like, you know, I I like to make sure that you know that uh, things are actually happening. But yeah, it's happening now. We, you know, we reserve Grant Cardone, and he is coming. That's great. <laughs> so we're gonna have a. Uh, we're getting a video from him, like a promo video that he's shooting. We should have by next week um, that we'll be able to post on Facebook and other groups and stuff, and, and see. Uh, oh, good, awesome! Yeah, we'll, we'll inviting uh, people. We'll talk about it when it drops too. You, uh, Hopefully, you can make it out there, Brian. <laughs> do you think it's uh, mostly geared toward HVAC tax, or is this something that plumbers and electricians could benefit from? Yeah, I think it's going to be, um, we already talked about plumbing. Um, so I think it's going to be geared towards HVAC and plumbing. Um, electrical, I don't, I don't see us having a lot of material, you know, I mean, but the sales stuff is universal, you know, as far as like when you were sitting at the table, but most of our training is going to be, um, HVAC and plumbing, um, in the, fir- the first day on like, you know, taking a maintenance call and then creating a, uh, uh, you know, a sales call. So your own sales call. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly uh transferable in, in terms of you, you show up for this. How do you transition into this? That can be, that can be a pest control company. It doesn't matter what you do for a living when you learn right. to transition into sales mode. Um, your yeah. life and the, your family's income is about to change big time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, I would say electricians aren't going to get as much out of it as the HVAC and plumbing guys, <clears throat> but um, but there'll be a lot of good information and the experience, like the networking. You know, um, you get to see Grant Cardone. You know, there's there's a lot of positives and um, a lot of a lot of value there. So can you get me backstage? Yeah. Do I get to meet you? <laughs> I'll get, I'll get you the friends and family discount. Okay. There you go. <laughs> hey Brent, it's, it's been so, awesome talking with you today. Thanks so much for giving us some of your time. Uh, I told him you had a pretty hard out here at, uh, <laughs> at you got some calls to run, right? Yeah. I'm going to hit the road here right after I get off the, the podcast here. So awesome. yeah, I got some goals to hit. That's yes, right. Sir. Well, we can't let you go without doing some uh, fun questions for you at the end, if you don't mind. Okay. All right. Uh, first one, what kind of reality show would you be a contestant on? What kind of reality show would I be a contestant on? Um, I always thought, like, you know, having, like, there's not very many reality shows with contractors, right? Oh, Wouldn't yeah. it be amazing to have, like, a, a reality show where, you know, it's, you know, they follow around like contractors and they had contractor wars, you know, in one area. <laughs> yeah. I think they do it where they it's go out 60 minutes, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Adam Carolla had a show called to catch a contractor where he would find yeah. these contractors that, that took money to do these jobs and never did the jobs. And then they would corner I these know. guys. Yeah. That one's a little heavy. I'm, Maybe we can come up with, a I'm talking one. about a, a little different. Uh, yeah. I got I'm you. talking where, <laughs> You know, contractors go at war for you know for um, for the the work, and you know there's you know there's a lot of 
you know, energy and stuff with that. But I don't know. I always thought like, you know, American contractor. Yeah. Hey man, that's that's the next innovation of Brent Buckley right there. (laughs) How a reality show. American contractor. There it is. (laughs) Love it. Trademark. You heard it here first people. (laughs) All right. If a restaurant uh, chain was opening up their next location in your house, uh, what, what would it be? Oh, um, probably with all my kids, Brad Robin. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> endless fries. Four, right. <laughs> my kids love Red Robin. I got four kids and, um, yeah, they love Red Robin. I, I would say we go there more than anything cause they just love it, you know, but yeah, if it was a chain restaurant, I would say Red Robin. You guys have Red Robin out there? Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, if you could swap jobs for a day with any other career, what would it be? Um, Plumber, obviously, mm-hmm. but besides that. Mm-hmm. Probably, um, probably like a, a where you go and you test drive a new boat and stuff. Oh, that'd be cool. That kind cool. of job. Yeah. Where, yeah. Speedboats or like yeah. yachts or yeah, you wouldn't want to yeah, power, so like you wouldn't want to power factory, a cruise liner. I'm guessing. <laughs> no, like uh, yeah, like wake boats and stuff like they develop them, and either that or some sort of like toys where you get to go out and actually you know give your feedback on how they performed and all that. That would be like what I was thinking about. Nice, I like it. Yeah, boats side by side, you know, cars, all that stuff. That'd be cool. Awesome. Uh, who does Brent Buckley listen to or uh, watch or read to get better? The Waste No Day podcast. There it is. <laughs> you know, um, I've never read books my entire life um, until like maybe like two years ago. I started like, and I'm not even reading them, I'm like doing audio books. And um, yeah, I started listening to different books and stuff and uh, just a variety, but mostly information and stuff I get from are those Facebook groups. I don't know if you guys are a part of them, but yeah. there's so much uh, info. Yeah, we got some of that. Yep. yep. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much info that everyone posts every day. It's like, I could go out and like start the baddest ass company right now, you know, <laughs> like, and have all the knowledge. But, um, yeah, I do learn a lot from, uh, from those uh, Facebook groups a lot. So, Awesome. Hey, last one for you here, Brent. Uh, what is the best adjustment that you have made to your routine to get better? Um, the best adjustment? Um, my attitude, having like control over, you know, the way that I react to things, you know? Um, and so I really like think about that a lot, you know, like, oh, is that really something I want to get myself excited about or put my energy towards, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really think about those things and things aren't going the right way or, you know, whatever may be happening or it could even be good too. And I, I think about, you know, is that, you know, a waste of my energy, you know, or am I dealing with this right way? So I think about that a lot. That is great words to end on. Love it. Uh, thanks again so much, Brent. It's been a privilege to have you on our show. We wish you so well on your goals this year. 
Great, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll have you back on again, buddy. Okay. All right. Have a good day, guys. You too, Bye. man. Hey, that's a wrap for us. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, let us know. Hit Brent up on uh, his Facebook. Check out that link that he mentioned for his upcoming seminar. Uh, or just let us know in the comments. Hit us up wherever you can. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, really good stuff today about not only your attitude, but about just constantly looking for the next thing, innovating, improving, which is all stuff that we really believe in here at Waste No Day. For those of you listening, uh, we continue to challenge you. Be like Brent. Uh, continue to find ways of, of believing that it is possible. If you have anything in your life where you're saying like, that can't be done or I can't do that, stop yourself right there, double check and reframe your mind in a way that you believe that it is possible. And so we want to challenge you to do that. We want to challenge you every day to wake up in the morning and choose to waste no day. This podcast is a production of the South Central Pennsylvania branch of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric.